Hello and welcome to the Peace and Love Amplifiers podcast. I'm so happy you're here. In these episodes, we will dive deep into the idea of peace. What is it? Is it even attainable? Everyone wants it, so how can we make it manifest? Along with my own experiences, you will also hear uplifting stories from inspirational people who are building peace in their own lives and the world around them. We are on the threshold of a new society, looking at where science meets spirituality. And these stories are a call to action to help overcome division and build a better society for all concerned. Join me on this thought-provoking journey to explore ways we can all amplify peace and love. Today, I have as my guest, my older sister. I won't tell you how much older she is than me, but I talked about her in my first episode. She's she's always been an athlete, has been a runner, a swimmer, has done half triathlons, and she she puts me to shame. I and she's my older sister. And she's been a swim coach. She's a mom. She's a grandmom. And she is a an isogenic sales associate. And so she's really good with learning and teaching about stress in the body. And so we're going to talk about that today and how stress affects you and how to combat that now during this time. So Mary, this is my sister, Mary Cook. You can say hi now, Mayor. Hi. <laughs> so happy to have you here. And we kind of talked about what we wanted to talk about. And so I just wanted to like have this conversation about how you've managed your life. And we can talk about our growing up years and all that fun stuff. But how are you doing? I'm doing good. Today is election day. Yes, it is election the stress day. stress is through the roof. As you know, I have three daughters and I've talked to all of them today and the oldest is full of anxiety. So I said, have you listened to Anjali's meditation from this morning? Because it was so good. So she's like, yes, I already listened. But in your first episode, you talked about your growing up years and as you, you were a born peacemaker. And I just want to share a story with your listeners because that reminded me of our growing up years (laughs) because I am eight years older than Julie, but then she has a sister who is seven years older and a brother who is six years older. So the three of us, the three older kids, we were too close in age. We fought constantly. And I remember us being in the family room of Marlton Lakes and you, a little two-year-old, so I'm 10, Valerie's nine, Jimmy's eight, and we are wrestling, fighting over the TV after school. And you're standing in the kitchen, my kids, my kids, where are my kids? Stop it, my kids. And you would just cry. and. You know, that really didn't stop us from fighting, but we heard you. We really and ignored me. <laughs> what was that? And ignored me. But and hey, that's all right. That's what little. We were too 
<laughs> we were too into the fight. I know. Um, so, yeah, you I always were a peacemaker, but I think it's our fault that you are a peacemaker. It's, it was kind <laughs> of like a uh, defense mechanism, or exactly. <laughs> well, it's funny because I remember grandma put together like all my notes and stuff and put them in a, in a, in an album for me. And there was one letter that I wrote to Jimmy about when he, like he can watch, cause I really wanted to watch Dukes of Hazard, and that was on at like eight o'clock on a, whatever night it was, or it was on seven 30. And I said in the note, it was, hi, Jim. I really want to watch Dukes of Hazard at seven 30. So you can have the TV from seven o'clock and then from eight o'clock and eight 30. I just, I wanted my time. And I like, I gave him so much time that he could have the TV. And I just wanted my little block of time to watch the Dukes of Hazard. And I don't know what came from that, but having one TV, I don't think kids realize what it's like now to, you know, cause they have their devices and their, their TVs in their room or whatever. And it's when you get a family of six people that are sharing one TV it gets pretty interesting. So especially um, with our dad. Yeah. Oh, he had to watch. he loved his sports. Yeah, and mash and yeah. I I grew up on mash, you know. Yeah. Um you know, it's funny, you know, you brought up dad because I don't know if people can hear it right now, but we do sound a lot alike. And so this one time I called my dad just to, you know, Hey, how you doing? What's going on? And he started talking and we had like this 10 minute long conversation. And he's like, so Mayor, how are the kids? And I'm like, dad, it's Julie. I'm like, we've been talking for 10 minutes and you don't, <laughs> it was, he's like, oh, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But so then we, we kind of figured, Hey, <laughs> we can kind of trick dad now. And Jim's the same. He doesn't know who, who am I talking to? You know, he doesn't know which one. Well, now that we have caller ID on our phones, but before it's like, who are you? Which one? Which one of my sisters are you? Yep. I always tell people we're eight years apart and, but we're twins because yeah. we look alike. We sound alike. We're the same height. Same, everything. I'm a little bit taller. Yep. And, but, you know, speaking of dad, what I loved about growing up, was our round kitchen table that was kind of lopsided. So because <laughs> of broken chairs. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about <laughs> the chair story. But um, so we all had our assigned seats around mm -hmm. that circular table. And but the dinner time conversations that we had, you know, we had a like staunch Republican dad and the most liberal Democratic mom. And they sat side by side and at the dinner table. And then I was across from them with you, right? Yeah. You would have shared that bench seat because yeah. I used to steal your food all the time. Yeah, all the time. And then Valerie was to my right and Jim was to your left. Right. So that's how we were around the table. And, but we, growing up in that environment, allowed us to talk about anything. There was no subject off the table at dinner time. And, you know, some of the things I remember are, 
you couldn't leave in a huff Mm. because we all had to do the stupid dishes afterwards. (laughs) And, you know, we just had to listen. We had to listen to the other side. And I remember dad was such a huge Reagan fan. Mm. And, you know, I I don't want to get too political, but I was a senior in high school when he was running against Jimmy Carter. And I couldn't vote in that election. But he trickled down economics. Mm -hmm. I remember remember that. that debate around the dinner table. I'm like, Dad, you give money? to people, they're not going to share it. <laughs> That's the most insane concept. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, but just having some really great discussions, but we had to listen to each other. And I think that's what is missing in so many people's lives right now. We're not listening. We don't want to hear the other side. We just have our own opinions. And that's it. Yeah. And and social media is so easy to unfriend people or to block people and only go into your own tunnel of your own thoughts. And and so having these kind of conversations and just really going to the core value of people, you know, and if we can if we can get to that space of what really makes me tick, what really makes you tick. And see how that is very similar. And when I was in my seminary, my peace building seminary, we looked at a lot of the major religions of the world and looked at their peace prayers and how they were all had the same message, all had the same feel. And so I really think that that's these kind of things are really at the core of all of us. These, you know, we want to have a safe place for our kids and our grandkids to grow up. We want to have access to advancement, whatever that is, whatever it looks like. So I think if we can, we can get past all of the the ways that we exercise those rights or exercise those, the way that we want to express ourselves, then we're all kind of pretty much have the same motives, you know, the same But yeah, I remember those conversations. I mean, I really wasn't involved in them, but I remember hearing them, you know, and how many times dad would slam his fist on the table because he had such a, you know, have all these, these little idiosyncrasies of, you know, how he would get really passionate about things. But, you know, I, and I think what it does, it, like you said, it helped us to not be afraid to hear what somebody else has to say. Just just being able to experience what his viewpoint was, what mom's viewpoint was. And we kind of had this really full experience because I'm a liberal. I am, I know I have my viewpoints and things like that, but I know that we need, as a country, we need to have all voices at the table. So where I might have weaknesses, somebody else has strengths. Where somebody else has weaknesses, I might have strengths. So you put a problem on the table and everybody comes at it from different directions. 
and say, I put this in and I, I would suggest this. And, you know, it's like brainstorming. Corporations do it. You know, we as society can make that happen. We can change that. We can, you know, come at these issues with as many viewpoints as possible. I agree. Totally. You know, I mean, like I said, it is election day. We have no idea where this country is heading. And even when this plays, we might not even know. You know, I keep going back to the 2010 election. You know, we didn't know until the first week of December. And the the, the 2000 was that was 2000. Yeah. 2000. 20 years ago. Um, 20 years ago. Yeah. 20 years ago. Um, But, you know, like my. My little affirmation today says, I now turn my face toward a bright future. It is waiting for me and it's waiting for all of us. And we all need to step up, fix our problems because we have a lot of them. Yep. There are just so many things to do that none of us should be sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And, and I said to my husband today, I'm like, if, if Trump wins, we have a lot of work to do. If Biden wins, we have a lot of work to do. We we have a lot of work to do to get this country to have everybody at that table. We need to do a lot of work. So, you know, this kind of work, this peace building, this really taking care of ourselves so that we can take care of the world in which we live is paramount. So you, you mentioned sleep. And because I know I haven't been sleeping, I listen to a sleep meditation pretty much every night. His name is Michael Seeley. I'll put a link to one of his to his YouTube channel up on the show notes. But that's like one of the only ways. And plus, I take like now like some melatonin before I go to bed. But it's so difficult now. So, you know, I know with who you are your background in isogenics and my background with heart math, we learned a lot about what happens to the body on stress and how sleep is our number one way to build our resiliency. So how, in your opinion, what is it that the body does when it's stressed out? Well, when it is stressed, it wreaks havoc on all of your hormones, cortisol, Mm -hmm. number one. And when the body is stressed, adrenaline, which is only supposed to be produced when we're faced with a fight or flight situation. And I also taught swimming. I still teach swimming 47 (laughs) years now. I don't know how, a long time. And what the bot, no, I wasn't 10. Whatever, whatever. I was when I started teaching. You do the math. I'm <laughs> yeah, good. So. I can't do it. I need a calculator. But anyway, it's not my strong point. But with the body, when we are stressed, cortisol is produced, adrenaline is released from the brain, and it is telling us to either fight or flight or freeze. And that's what I was getting at with the swimming. Freeze is a huge part of when we're afraid of something like water, which most humans are at one point, you know, if we're lucky, our parents get us into swim lessons early and we go through that phase and we don't remember. Mm. But I became a much better teacher 
when I started teaching adults who were terrified of water. And the body freezes at that point. And right now, as a country, as a world, we're in that some of us are fighting constantly, some of us are frozen, and some of us are fleeing. Mm. And right now, we can't flee too far because we can't go anywhere. Yeah. But so what happens is all of these hormones are going crazy in the body. And what happens inside of our abdomens is we store all of that crap around our middle because it's those fat cells around our core are huge protectors of our internal organs. So when you have all of this bombardment coming inside the body, it doesn't want to go into your heart. It doesn't want to go into your stomach. It doesn't want to go into your, your liver. Your So it goes into those fat cells around the middle of our body. And we're all getting bigger and bigger and bigger during this pandemic because it's just stress. So we detox mainly our liver from 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. So if we're not sleeping well, mm. then people are drinking more <laughs> because it's it's a stress reliever. Right. So you just, you need to get into that deep sleep before 11 o'clock and stay there until after two. So you can detox mm. all of this crap out of your body. And yeah. so... You know, that's the first thing is getting good sleep to yeah. the body. Yeah. And cortisol has a half-life of 12 hours. So that means if if you're pissed off at eight o'clock in the morning and then you call up your best friend and then you tell the story of why you got pissed off at, at 11 a.m., so then there's more cortisol dumped into the body because the body doesn't know that you're just telling a story. You're everything's turning up in inside of you so that everything gets dumped again. And then, so then you, by the time you're sitting at dinner and you're telling the family how you were pissed off at eight o'clock in the morning, you still have all of that getting dumped over and over and over again. So your body never really releases that cortisol inside of itself. So is there besides sleep, what are some other ways that people can get rid of that cortisol that gets in? Uh, Exercise is a great reliever. So I'm not going to my local Y. I haven't been there since February, but you see more and more people outside walking. Mm -hmm. You see more people purchasing Pelotons, putting home gyms in. You need to use them. You can't just put it in your home. You need to set aside time and walk or bike inside your home. Get outside when it's nice. Meditation is key, it's crucial. Yeah, and having a good morning routine. You know, I heard years ago that. Before your first appointment in the morning, you need to give yourself three hours. 
mm-hmm. to get up and, you know, do your, take care of yourself. Yeah. Start the day off right. Get up, meditate, do some kind of spiritual thing, whatever that is for you. It doesn't have to be Christianity, whatever, whatever. Then get your head right before you start the day. And I know as a working mom, when my kids were growing up, I was at the office at 6.45 in the morning with an hour commute, but my husband took care of the kids. So I'm used to getting up early and getting things done. But now today with my children, seeing my children, raising their children, it's difficult to get that time for yourself when your kids are little. Yeah, especially when you're not sleeping well. Exactly. I mean, and like two of my daughters have had babies during this pandemic. So they're not, their babies are on their baby schedule. So yeah, sleep is crucial. And it's, it's hard to get it in. And don't you feel like sometimes when you're awake in the middle of the night, that causes more stress because you know you need to be sleeping. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So you're like, oh, my God, I'm not sleeping. Tomorrow's going to really be terrible because I'm not sleeping right now. So that's when you need to have that melatonin readily available. And some people have adverse effects to that. So you have to play around with it. And I always tell people, you know, that I'm coaching because we have a melatonin product, experiment on the weekends or when you know you don't have something to do. Mm. Because if you have anxiety, it can sometimes escalate that anxiety. Melatonin. I mean, melatonin is something that we stop producing inside the body around age 20. We weren't supposed to live this long. So, you know, we didn't need it. So you have to have some kind of supplement. Everyone needs some kind of melatonin supplement. And then you will start to sleep a little better. But if you do have anxiety, you have to be careful. And isogenics does not treat or cure any kind of disease or illness. But we work with a lot of different people who have different things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I know stress reduction is a big thing. And I look at the the emotional realm and you look at the physical realm and it, it's it's really, it wasn't until I started looking at like what I put in my body that could co- be causing me stress and stress on the liver, stress on, it's just another layer of stress that you have to get through, you know, or have to overcome quote unquote. So having that ability to switch up something that's not good for you physically, you know, sugar and all the stuff that a lot of people have different dietary needs. And, but, you know, to have that self-awareness of what I put in my mouth that, you know, what I eat, what I drink, how it is affecting me. And do I want this effect to, to keep me from the peaceful self that I could be. So it's, it's a very interesting concept to kind of look at that layer 
of the body and saying, you know, I, I don't really need this extra cup of coffee. I don't really need to put four scoops of sugar in my coffee or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Well, when you think about, you know, we're made up of trillions of cells and it takes the body two years to replace all of those. So every day we are building new cells. So if we put good things in, then our cells can be healthy and grow and have a normal life. And because you don't want them to break apart, die, you know, because that's when bad things happen. Yeah. And I've been watching a lot of different things on Gaia about Greg Braden has this whole series on missing links and there's stuff from Bruce Lipton and all kinds of that we can intentionally heal our bodies from the inside out using our intention, using our senses. And it's quote unquote new science that's coming out that in maybe in 10 years, that's, this is going to be like the, oh yeah, this is what we can do, you know? And I had this, you know, the story of when I was going through my cancer and we had this, you know, I was in an intention group. We were doing this and you were in an intention group at the time, weren't you? Yeah. We were looking at the group I was with was following the Lynn McTaggart work, doing her work. And I had to take the test after I had the surgery. They had to test the tumor to see if the tumor was aggressive or not. And the number that they were, it was, it was called the chemotype and the chemotype, if it was 16 or higher, then I would need chemo. And as a single mom, as a massage therapist, I I couldn't deal with chemo. I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And so I remember talking, you know, I had this whole, my husband set up the, like a, all the family, the nieces and the the sisters and the aunts all like on this one text stream, I texted, I said, you know, look, this number, I need to have it below 16. And you came back and said, let's intend 15. And I had you guys, I, and I put it out to my church group and I put it out to my intention group. I put it out to everyone that I know. And it was, you know, everybody was coming up to me and like, I'm I'm intending 15. And then it came back as 16. If it was higher than 16, I would need chemo. So it came back at 16. And I was like, I don't need chemo. So we had two more weeks of because by the time I got the surgery, I was supposed to find out like the next week, the next two weeks, but then it was like right at the holidays at the end of the year. And the day that they told me that I was going to know, they're like, oh, no, we have to, we need another whole week. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, my God, but I can use this as another seven days of intention, you know, like, let me do this work, you know, do the work I'm intending. And so the body itself, and I was, you know, during massage school, I just remember hearing about how 
the body is so wise, you know, like I was learning about how you need calcium and something else to make the muscles move. And I was like, I don't know that. I don't know how to do that. And the body is so wise. So when you say that it takes two years for the body to regrow all these cells, it's like the body is doing something I have no idea how to do. I don't know how to grow my hair. It's just an amazing tool, this this body. Yeah, Yeah, it is. And, you know, one of the, I was just looking for a book on my shelf. This summer, my son-in-law talked about a book that he was reading, and it's called Breathe or Breath by James Nestor. Okay. But you, you talked about your nightly practice of how you go to bed. I follow in the book, it's all about how we breathe. And how some breathing is really bad for us and causes oxidative stress. And so I follow this man called Wim Hof, W-I-M-H-O-F. And I do his nightly meditation before I go to bed. Well, it's his daily meditation, but I do it before I go to bed. And it's a breathing exercise. And I have to tell you, it's 11 minutes and one second long. Hmm. I never get to the end and I am out. Wow. And I'm sure my poor husband has to turn off the TV sometime, but I do that. And it is an amazing practice when you think about all the things that oxygen and carbon dioxide do inside the body because we need carbon dioxide as much as we need oxygen and nitrogen and all that stuff. So that book changed my life this summer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff I like to learn about. You and I are very similar that way. We always are looking for something new. You know, when we went to Jack Canfield Mm -hmm. last year, was that 2019? Yeah, it was 2019. Wow. It seems like so long ago. Oh my God. June of 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Wow. That was really, that was good. And so, cause I have read his success principles and you know, that seminar was phenomenal Mm -hmm. because it was one more thing to, you want all these toolboxes and that's, or tools in your toolbox. And that's what I used to tell swimmers. When you are doing the the 100 butterfly for the first time, you need to know the mechanics of how the body moves in the water. But when you're tired and you still have 25 yards left, if you know you have to focus on getting your head down in the water When your body wants you to breathe and it wants you up (sighs) above the water, it's counterintuitive, but have all as many tools in your toolbox as you possibly can, then you can get to the end of the race. Mm. And that's what I think for peace building is the same. We need all of the tools that are out there. Yeah. And because yeah. what what might work for you might not work for me. And exactly. You know, 
and or might not work in all situations. So I'm a big toolbox kind of person, you know, I like I want to have as many tools in my toolbox so that sometimes I forget that I have that toolbox, but I know that I can fix whatever is I've gone through like an argument or had a stressful day, I can get back to that place of peace of of inner peace, so that I can sit with my family in the evening and really be there, really be present. And it's always good to have those tools because we're not in a state right now in society at large where it's, you know, we're in a stressful situation right now. And it's, we get into this hypervigilance and we're not sleeping. We're, we still have to get up and we still have to go take care of everything. And then we're getting bombarded by all this unknowingness. And we still have to take care of the family, take care of us, maybe, and then go back to sleep again and try to. And how much sleep are you getting? And so it's it's always good to have these tools to get us back into this peaceful place and know that every minute sometimes is a new minute, (laughs) (laughs) especially now. Yeah. So I like to end with a call to action for people. So is there anything that you would suggest for people to practice to get a good night's sleep or to de-stress in their lifetime, in their day? Yeah. If I was having this conversation with my children, kids need a good bedtime. They Mm -hmm. need to go to bed earlier than their parents. So you have time as an adult to veg, chill, whatever, take a hot shower before Mm -hmm. bed. And while it cleans the body, it also soothes the mind. And then have a good routine about getting into bed. Try and get to bed an hour earlier than you normally do right now. And just that one extra hour will make a difference. And, you know, I love this time of year when it's darker because I don't feel like I have to stay up. Like my cat came in last night, meowed me all the way up the stairs at 9.15. He wanted to go to bed because it was (laughs) 9.15 his time. So I indulged him and I got my shower and got in bed and did my Wim Hof meditation. and. You know, I woke up at 5 a.m. before my alarm. And so, yes, have a routine. Try and get in a routine. But sleep is going to help us get through this pandemic. Yeah. The next four years could possibly be. Yes. And for my call to action, I every night I have a sleep app on my phone that measures my sleep and tells me and it's let me I'm finding it's called sleep cycle and I just put it on and it asks you some questions you can set it as you can put it as like your alarm in the morning and you just have it sitting by your bed and right on the nightstand and it measures it shows you a graph it shows you how you it rates your sleep it tells you if you snore or not, and it records you if you do snore. Like, 
save that, delete that, whatever. But it's a good way to just track your sleep and how, and you're right, because when it says that you've, it really, the sleep app really likes when you go to sleep early. If I'm like creeping up to like 1130, 1145, it will say, you know, you should start to sleep a little early, you know, get to sleep a little earlier, but it's a good way to track. It'll measure, it'll give you like how long it took you to fall asleep when you woke up. And it's, it's a really cool um, way to keep track of things. So I recommend some kind of sleep app. Yeah. I have a Fitbit that does the same. And, you know, my anxiety is like, so I stress when I wear my Fitbit at night because I know that I'm not going to get a good score because <laughs> so, I'm so competitive. Yeah. <laughs> so down that rabbit I, hole. Of... Just take it off and leave it on my nightstand. But yeah, I, I understand <laughs> having yeah. seen that score in the morning makes you feel good when you have a good night's sleep. Yeah. And it's uh, like, well, I only got a 65. So maybe I can just take it easy today, you know, so it's a it's a good way to just, just give yourself some, you can take yourself off the hook. Yeah, if grace, grace, yes. Yes. All right, my dear. All right, sister dear. Well, it was lovely talking to you. Yeah, as always. This is what the third time today. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think so. Third or fourth, the quick hang up. I'll call you right back. But yeah, but I'll talk to you tomorrow. Yeah, definitely. I'm not watching the news tonight. <laughs> Going to bed. All right. Go to bed. <laughs> Love you. Bye. Love you too. Wait. Bye. Bye. Hey, you peace and love amplifier. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at peaceandloveamplifiers.com. You can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, and YouTube. Thanks again for listening. And remember to ask yourself, What am I feeding the field? Until next time.